Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today I am here with Kathy Sohn. Kathy is the CEO of Body Memory Process, LLC. She retired in 2020 after 36 years in the U.S. Department of Defense, which involved assignments in three war zones. In 1994, when Kathy met her husband-to-be, David W. Sohn, she became exposed to a unique powerful healing method, the body memory process, which was created by David in the 1980s. David passed away in 2019, but his work now lives on through his wife. Kathy holds a master's in national security studies from the Naval War College and a master's in conflict resolution from George Mason University. And we met at the National Publicity Summit. I am so excited for you to be here today. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Angel. It is great to be here. All right. Well, I am incredibly curious. You spent 36 years at the U.S. Department of Defense, and now you are the CEO of Body Memory Process. And that is, I mean, left brain, right brain kind of transition right there. So I am really curious about, you know, what is your experience with this process? Obviously, you you know, you married the man who created it, but Was there something about your own life experience, maybe from spending 36 years in the Department of Defense or from childhood or some other place that inspired you to be open to this healing modality? Yes, actually, I had a very difficult beginning in life. I came along very early missed the entire third trimester. So I was very, very premature. And it had an impact on my life that I didn't realize until I was an adult. And that's a lot of what I'm going to be talking about with this work. I used to joke with David that I was his poster child because there are so many things that, because I had birth parents and I had adoptive parents, I kind of had a a double dose, <laughs> you know, and just very different. And so what happened in the very, very beginning and then what happened those other years. And then so piled on top of that was that I didn't even realize I was adopted until I was in my adult years, which is kind of a story in itself. And so what really made me open to this work? And before I met David, I had been doing some self-discovery. I mean, for years I I had been studying, I had been reading. I always, it, it just really clicked with me the first time I heard that we, our beliefs help create our reality and our thoughts have power. 
And so I had done a lot of reading in that regard. And when I met David and he was just starting to write a book because a lot of his clients had said, you really need to get this down. People need to hear about this. It, it very much clicked with me. And then I started doing the work on myself. And I can, I can tell a couple of stories from my life to illustrate. And I, I don't know, I think maybe talk a little bit about, more about the work first will make them, you know, make more sense. Sure. All right. Well, so I want to kind of just tangentially talk a little bit about you were doing this work of self-discovery. And I think for many people, they have this outer life, right? You know, 36 years in the U.S. Department of Defense and assignments in three war zones puts a certain picture in your mind of the kind of woman that you are or were. And simultaneously, you know, you're doing this self-discovery work. And I, I feel like so many people come to any kind of healing modalities, right? Yes. As a result of that journey of self-discovery. So I'd like to have you maybe share with us like, where did the self-discovery initiate? Be maybe even before you met David, where did the self-discovery initiate? Did you like have a book drop in your lap or did you have a crisis moment? Let's talk a little bit about that so that our listeners can maybe orient themselves on the journey in, in terms of where they're at in the process as well. Sure. I think it was a, a few things one that comes to mind that probably was the most powerful is I went into college really just very vulnerable. My adoptive parents were, especially my mom, was very protective. And I think because they tried to hold on to me so tightly and protect me, then when I, and I was living on campus, so you know, I was kind of essentially on my own. I needed to all of a sudden make decisions for myself that weren't necessarily the best. For example, I was supposed to be studying zoology as a pre-med major. And because I had been trained in voice and piano, that was sort of another dimension of me, I found myself in the fine arts building instead of really, you know, studying as I should. Not really, in high school, I didn't, my mom didn't really want me to date. And so again, going away to college and I was on my own, like, oh, I can go to a party. Wow. And there's nobody to tell me I can't. And so I think I went through this, maybe the dark night of the soul, right? I, I had to really figure out after I had gone from pre-med, then I went into nursing because things weren't working well where I was. So then I went into nursing school because my parents reasoned that well, if you do that, then you have a job and, and then you can either decide to go on to medical school or not. Well, as we all know, the problems follow us, right? That was not the, it really wasn't the solution. And it just, it just changed from the fine arts building to, oh, I can, I can sing, play the piano and sing in one of these clubs here in the city where I'm going to school now. <laughs> so, I really hit bottom. I think one night I, I was crying. I talked to my parents. Well, what am I going to do? I have all these student loans and nothing really to show for it. And my dad, who was a contractor for the Navy, said, let's talk over breakfast. I think I have an idea. And he suggested that I go in the military. And, and then I, I did. I, I spent four years in the Army. That was the first four years and then 32 years as a civilian, as a natural follow-on to the work I was doing. And it was everything 
I set my intention. This is going to be the kick in the pants I need. And it was. And I started earning awards and just building that self-esteem. So it was it was in the process of doing that. I was doing a lot of self-examination, like why, you know, why do I feel the way that I do? And some of that wasn't explained until I did find out that I was adopted. And I had already met David at that point. And so then him bringing the work to me, things continued to unfold. But I think a lot of times, and we can talk about this a little more later, but people will come to this work when David was doing this work for over about a 30 year period. And often people come in crisis and that's what happened with, with me. Like I, I need to figure out what's going on here. And I also had, you know, and fortunately, you know, we, we might listen to, it wasn't a podcast then, but we might see a book here. Your friend mm-hmm. will say something. College was opening my mind. And I was like, well, you know, maybe, Maybe I need to look over here. And slowly I, I started to turn inward and that made all the difference. Mm, beautiful. So was there a specific like crisis moment for you or was it more of a kind of um, windy journey, shall I say, <laughs> a windy journey that brought you together with David? Like, did you come together with David because of the work, or did you come together with David in some other way? <laughs> it's a really beautiful romantic story. So uh, I, to answer your first question, I think it was really that moment when I was crying and I was in college. I'm like, what am I going to do? Because, you know, I, I, my parents kept telling me, I know you're smart. You know, you can do better. And then it was after the army, after I was already working the civilian job, that a mutual friend said, you got to meet this guy said to him, you got to meet this girl. And we met on the 4th of July, 1994. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, they brought him to my doorstep, right? So, <laughs> and as we say, the rest is history. It was just wonderful. And I, we had each later, as we compared notes, we had each been in a relationship that really wasn't working. And we each said that we realized a moment where we kind of let go. I, I had... I kind of turned everything over to God in my life and mm. it was like, but not relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. Everything, but wanted everything, everything but, and so, I, and of course, you know, things weren't working there. Right. And I felt myself shift because, you know, there was a, a couple who was really an example to me and I'm like, you know what? I think I can make that work. They were, I, I thought that relationships were going to get in my way of my spiritual journey. And it wasn't that case at, at all. Mm, that really enhanced it. Beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about maybe your personal experience, your personal healing that happened as a result of not only becoming, you know, in relationship with David, but apparently becoming his chief guinea pig. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So one of the major things that I've dealt with in my life is being able to talk in front of groups. Now, I know that I know they, they say that fear of public speaking is greater than the fear of death. And a lot of people can relate to this. But for me, it was just having to say my name. Like I could never have done an interview with you like this. It was just, if I wasn't, the first time I noticed it, I'm like, why am I getting so nervous? My heart was racing. All I need to do, we're going around the room, say your name, maybe where you're from, that type of a thing. And 
it kept happening and I was, I've been, I'd had to struggle with it all my life. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to do a speech in front of a group. It was talking in front of a, in a class. And so I'd already, always struggled with it. And when I learned about the work, I decided to do the work on this particular issue. And what I learned was that it was something that I had decided back when I was actually in an incubator. So we'll talk about the basics about this work in a, in a moment. It can be as far back as even conception, but largely in the womb, birth, and in childhood. And I discovered that I had the vow, they watch me to see when I'm going to die. And this was because I was born at under two pounds, about six months gestation. And I probably had a lot of people in in white coats and all kind of peering in at me in my incubator. And the first time I noticed this problem was a doctor asked me a question when I was about six and my mother had to answer because I was so terrified. <laughs> and it was related to the fact that of this experience that I had in the incubator. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, this was back in, well, 1961, you know, the time period, mm -hmm. I'm showing my age, but, you know, there were probably people who either thought it or maybe said, I don't know, think this one's going to make it. Right. And, and so then if I'm in front of a, of a group, what is dying when you're doing public speaking? Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot what I wanted to say. I'm away from my notes. You know, I'm, <laughs> any of the, it was, you see the, the, and that's how powerful these vows, how and how they work. Right. It's that there may have been a decision over here, but it gets applied to a life situation that completely unrelated to the original thing, but it's about the belief. Totally. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about the body memory process. And for now, though, we are going to go and say to our Wickedly Smart Women audience, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to have you share with your lovely lady friends that you think might benefit from our content. And we are also going to be announcing very soon a very special collaborative book project that we are doing called Wickedly Smart Women, Trusting Intuition, Taking Action, and Transforming Worlds. So be on the lookout for that in our feeds. And please help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a huge thank you to our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing from all around the world. We are getting thousands and thousands of downloads, and we want to shout out this week to our listeners in Colombia, Ethiopia, and Qatar. And we will be right back with Kathy Sohn. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, 
balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Kathy Sohn, and she was speaking before the break about the body memory process and about one particular experience that she had with fear of public speaking that went all the way back to when she was in the incubator when she was a premature child. So you can find out more about the body memory process at bodymemoryprocess.com. So, uh, Kathy, it's interesting because my my son was in the NICU when he was born. He was six weeks early, not not three months early, but six weeks early, about half of what you were. And he had a number of issues growing up along the way that, you know, I I didn't even add that to the list of things that might have caused some of those issues. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit more about exactly what happens when you go through the body memory process. You've kind of identified like a particular thing, that an experience you were having in your life that felt dysfunctional or not aligned with who you thought you could be that was really rooted in this thing in childhood. So tell us what happens next. Sure. So the body memory process is really a two-pronged process. First is the self-discovery. So we want to discover, you know, what did we decide when we were very young? And then the second part is once you have that list of vows that you discover, and I'll talk about vows in a moment, then there is the homework process. So first, just a real quick summary of you know why this happens. So when we are in the womb, all the way up until about seven years old, we are creating our core belief system. If anyone is familiar with Dr. Bruce Lipton, he talks about children being in the theta state of consciousness. It's like almost like a state of hypnosis. And when we're born, you know, he says we don't uh, we have the operating system, if you will, our brain, but we don't have the programs. Those programs are put into place by the observations that we make, largely with our caregivers, usually our parents, um, siblings, any other people who are usually in our in our life. And so this is the time period when children are not logical. They're they're very aware, uh, but they are they are making these conclusions about life and a vow, I guess you could think of it as a, as a belief because it is a belief, but it's, it's very strong belief. Like, because I have about a list of about going on a thousand vows that have been collected over about a 30 year period. And there's a body map associated. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. And these vows are worded things like, I am, I will, they are, and life is. So for example, I am all alone. You know, they don't understand me. You know, life is hard. And the child is, if you remember, if you realize it's living in a very kind of a small world, little ones, they don't have a very big world. You know, they go places, but they're largely living at home. And so when they make these conclusions, that's their world. And so these, they may mean Nobody understands me, meaning maybe mom and dad aren't understanding me. 
But when this gets put into their body and actually in body memory, in cell memory, in later on in adult life, nobody understands me kind of means the world. The, now it's the big world. So you can see how these conclusions that we make very young, and it seems kind of might be a little innocuous and you're just a little one and what difference does it make? It's when you become an adult that it really makes a big difference. So the body memory process is something that David had created largely out of his own wellness journey. He had been pronounced dead at 14 years old with double staph pneumonia. He had a near-death experience. He came back knowing he had something to contribute. Wasn't sure what it was, but I think he naturally came to it when doctors were telling him he was never going to be really well because the cilia in his lungs had been damaged from the disease. He'd never really be active. He kind of railed against that. And he studied, brought things together from, you know, basically the three underpinnings are our thoughts create a reality, the mind-body connection, another wickedly smart woman, Dr. Candace Pert, that, okay, trauma puts down deep roots in the body. And there's a lot of work that she's done about basically saying, yes, thought and mind-body connection. And the fact that babies and children are very conscious and even the birth process can have a big impact such as if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die, right? You can see how that can happen during birth. Just a lot, a lot of vows that come out of birth period. Mm, okay. So, so, um, so let's take a minute and talk about maybe if you could give an example of either somebody David has worked with or you've worked with or yourself who has gone through the body memory process we don't have to go deep into the details of how it all works at this point, but like what has happened for them on the other side? I'm curious what like what happens when you are are pro when you've processed this through? Sure. So an example that comes to mind is a, a woman who was attempting suicide. She had done it a few times. She didn't really want to die. I mean, that came out in session. She didn't understand why this was happening. A lot of with the body memory process, if you have mom available, that's really good because mom might remember something from the time in the womb or birth that she didn't think was important, but now you're struggling with this issue. And all of a sudden, all this stuff comes out. She said that she had already had a child she had quit college to do that. She went back to college. Everything was all set up. She got pregnant again. And she, her husband told her that if she even considered having an abortion, he was going to divorce her, ruin her life. So she was, let's just say she was under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And she said, she admitted to her daughter that she had the thought at one moment, if you would just die, everything would be okay. Mm -hmm. And so here she's having this thought. There's this little big body of work about the connection between mom and the baby in the womb. And it's about energy, right? It's about all of that. And here she was struggling with, with suicide. So there's a few other vows. We usually uncover a, a list of about oh, eight, 10, maybe 15 in the course of taking a 360 look at relationships, finances, and health. She did not, you know, she was not struggling with suicide any longer, for example, because she had that realization she could have the intention with the homework and she was done with it. Yeah. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. So what I think I heard there, and I want to just make sure our listeners are hearing it clearly, is this woman actually came into the body memory process suicidal. The suicidal thoughts came from thought forms that her mother had when she was in the womb. And as a result of doing the homework and going through the body memory process, she no longer struggles with suicidal thoughts. Is that what I heard? That is correct. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, we only have a few more minutes left. So in the last couple of minutes, obviously, you've got this beautiful body of work that you are now stewarding, right? And so many of our listeners are entrepreneurial women. And so it's very interesting. It's kind of tangential, but I'd love to hear about how it's been for you to take over a legacy body of work that was created by your husband and to step into that role as the voice and the face and the CEO of this business and this brand and this literally legacy body of work. How's that been for you? And, you know, have there been any challenges that you've used the body memory process to process (laughs) through? (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed. Stepping into that role really was an evolution for me. It was, you know, I I know that David is still with me. I actually have a a psychic friend who said, you know, he's saying make it your work. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. He says, you know it well enough that you have all the core and the basics. But that wasn't so easy to do. I, I always referred to it as David's work. And I've gone to the point that, and I'm writing a book now, the working title is You Made It Up, Now Stop Believing It. (laughs) So I'm using case studies to have dialogue, talk about what happened with them, and then, you know, the content. So just having that, the other thing is, I wasn't necessarily all in at first. I'm like, well, you know, I'm retired. I want to enjoy being retired. And I, I spent one year really getting the website cleaned up and doing ad- advertising, having a, a, a funnel for, because I have a course that is very robust. And I had put all that in place. And at the end of that year, I was kind of unsatisfied. And then I decided to pivot at the beginning of this year toward writing and media. And I love it. <laughs> so I think that's what really clicked. And I, I can't, it's like Sun Tzu in the art of war. You can't be in just a little. Right? <laughs> My naval war college is coming out. <laughs> but really as all your listeners are probably aware, is you you really got to be all in. And I felt that shift happen with myself when I'm like, you know, I can't do this just a little. This is about healing. The pandemic happened. I'm hearing about all of these people in trauma. These vows are being activated. And you know, people really need help. They need this. And I'm going to do, you know, everything in my power to get that word out there. Oh. Beautiful. I love that. I love that you went all in. And I love that you shared too, Kathy, that you did go through a period of time where it was like, do I actually really want to do this? Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Kathy, and sharing with us and getting the media attention on this body of work that you now are on fire to do. (laughs) And grateful that you were able to be here and 
share with our listeners. Listeners, we do adore feedback. So please let us know what you thought of this show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes. You can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.